Hello, sir. How are you? Okay, and I will talk about going back through my videos again as I did the other day, and then we'll see where it goes from there because I really have nothing to talk about either. Um, and so, so we'll see. Okay, um, and we'll talk about Sam complaining about the background noise and all your audio as well. <laughs> in other words, I told him he's he's complaining about life going on in your house. Oh, it, does right. he does he want you to kill everyone? <laughs> right. Okay. You, you recording? Yep. Let me just check my batteries. Actually. Oh, I think they're good. Two bars. I forgot to change them over before. There we go. Okay, right. Off we, off we go. So, Sam, you've got something to say about the fact that there's stuff going on in the background in my home when I record. So I don't know whether to complain about the fact that Scotty doesn't pay me enough for me to have an isolation booth or the fact that you're just jealous that I have a life. Which is it, Sam? I have no idea why I did that. I just felt I needed to make noise. <laughs> Can everybody tell about the high production values that we have on this show? Uh, you think you see the thing is, John, we sunk our heart and soul into the first two hundred episodes. Now we have absolutely nothing to talk about. Just coasting on our immense fame. We have bled ourselves dry for our listener. <laughs> I don't think our listener even appreciates it. <laughs> Stop giving me this mess. Ah, oh, so. Um, you, uh, the video of your talk in Moscow is uh, is out, or Moscow, as you would say. Um, uh, I did watch it yesterday. Pretty yeah. good, pretty good. I have some comments, but uh, you, you tell me what you thought first. Well, uh, you know, looking at it, I think you know overall, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I think that it's, you know, the one of the things that made it a little bit more interesting than your garden variety talk I've given is that it had simultaneous interpretation. Um, and it was held in a very interesting place. It was held in the former press briefing center that was built for the 1980 Olympics. So it, it had, you know, it was a, a very nice space, um, and it had simultaneous interpretation, where, uh, which is, you know, understandable. I think most of the people in the audience absolutely spoke English and, and were very well educated, but th there were plenty of people who were using the interpretation, and I, I, I was worried about them because I do have a manic speaking style. And also, you know, I tend to, to, to make jokes as a way of, of dealing with being nervous on stage. And uh, I couldn't help but make jokes about, about the concept of the Cold War era um, uh, negotiations uh, over nuclear arms where there was a phrase that was used which uh, des described the position that the United States and, and Russia had toward each other, uh, uh, which is trust but verify. And it's a famous uh, phrase in, 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 in Russian. And so I, I made that little joke at the beginning. It took a while to, I think, to for me to get warmed up, from the audience to get warmed up. But one of the things that you notice when you look at recordings of yourself is that, you know, the way to solve the simultaneous interpretation problem is to have a pre-made speech which you read, and that wasn't going to happen. Um, way first of all, because it takes a lot of time to do that, and secondly, I just think it, it leads to a very boring presentation. Um, but you know, when you when you look at your speech patterns. Uh, you realize that it's always full, at least for me, it's always full of, uh, you know, which is hard habit to break. Um, and uh, there's also times when you will make a mistake and 
you realize that halfway through, like I was talking about, you know, line links for tie, and what I, but at the same time, I was gesticulating with my hands and talking about, you know, insane line links, but it was really line heights because they are, you know, the, the point about Thai language is that it has these accents and diacritical marks that, that appear above the, 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 the line and below the, the baseline, which makes it for challenging layout, whatever, you know, so I think that the point got across. And then there's also the issue of, of trying to make your humor come across in a different language and awful in a different context. So I think it was a challenging talk. Um, but uh, as I pointed out to my, my high school friend who uh, was a, a Slavic language, you know, PhD from, from Colombia who lived in Moscow for I think at least a year or so, uh, I, I, I posted the video on Facebook and in the comments I said, hey, if you want to watch along in Russian, here it is. And he says, you stumble a lot in Russian. <laughs> I just said, well, dude, I stumble along in English as well. But at least I think I connected with the audience because there was a, the, the video cut between being on me, being on the slides and being on the audience to show the audience reaction. And the, uh, I did I did get some connection when uh, they, they laughed at arcane humor about Unicode, you know, Unicode word join characters that could keep – Korean characters from from splitting on multiple lines. Anyway, um, I think overall I was happy for it. I think that it's uh, it's when you when you give a speech, you're very nervous before giving it. You may kind of not even think about how you're doing while you're on stage because you just don't know and you're trying to get through it. And then maybe directly after, if 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 people come up and say, "Hey, you know, I enjoyed the talk," or and there were lots of people who came up afterwards, and you know, I had to kind of be told to, to leave the building because the building was shutting down and there were still plenty of people who wanted to chat, which I interpreted as a good sign. Then you think, okay, great, wonderful. And that's my, you know, my, my assessment of the talk. And then time passes. And, and then, you know, a month or so afterwards, you get to look at the video and you look at parts of it and you say, yeah, that works. And the other parts you say, mm, I wish I could do that over again, but that is the life of giving talks. Go ahead. I'll okay. give you the opportunity now to shit all over my work. No, no, actually, it's okay. So let, let, let's let's do this in a organised and um, systematic fashion, uh, which is very unlike us about anything. But um, okay, firstly, uh, as a technical talk um, for what it was, you know, talking about the actual issues and the content of the talk uh, was really, really good, and people should go watch it. Um, I think uh, understanding, you know, the the, the nice thing you have about working for a company such as is Netflix is they're willing to uh, put the the development time and therefore money into getting this stuff right and, and finding good solutions. And so the, the technical content about uh, layout and then the networking stuff was all really, really good. So well done. Really enjoyed that. Learned quite a lot. So, so that was good. Um, about the talk itself, in, in English, obviously, it came over fine. Well, it, it came over as you, which is like anyone who listens to this podcast, it was just like you for longer. So, <laughs> Longer John, we should call it. That's the title, that's the title of this episode, Longer John. <laughs> Unbearable and more, and more of it. Okay, um, yeah, unbearably Longer John, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> um, and so that's quite hard to judge because we talk pretty regularly. I'm used to the way that you... Uh, you know, you, you talk and you know have you know you suddenly shoot off to an aside or suddenly think of a quick quip that suddenly gets into the middle of the sentence, um, and that's all fine. Um, how that translates into people who are listening in a second language, um, or for the people who are doing the interpretation, you know, the, 
I am unable to a um, comment because, you know, I can barely speak English and that is the only language uh, I do speak. Um, So, yeah. Someone else is going to have to write in and talk to us about that because yeah, it's hard. I can imagine um, it could be quite hard, but then again, what do I know? Uh, the other thing, this isn't about you in particular. This is more about you know anyone when they give a talk in uh, another culture. Is we end up using an awful lot of phrases and idioms that are quite localized to our own culture. So it's, you know, and considering you were talking about internationalization and localization in, in many ways at all, I think sometimes some of the, and it's often we find it's the little words, it's the little phrase we use at the end of a sentence or the end of a paragraph or, or, or the end of a section just to be a little of a winding up thing. And it might be, you know, um, in, in, I don't know if this one translates, in the UK we might say, oh, Bob's your uncle. I've no idea what it means, uh, but when that's translated, you know, if if I said a Bob's your uncle in the UK, everyone say, and, you know, and, and that's it, you know, that's and it's all done. Um, whereas, imagine if you're sat there in Russian and suddenly through your headphones or whatever for the translation comes, and Bob's your uncle, it's like, <laughs> and Boris is I the miss... illegitimate father of. <laughs> yeah, did 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 I miss something about? relatives in their talk um or or you know am i confused and and that is really hard because we just naturally talk the way we talk now i think as an american you have an advantage because us tv is so global these days uh that many many phrases are are just international become international people know them i think if you were um if you were german speaking in in, in russia uh, or whatever else you may, and you were using German idioms, they, that may not translate in, in the same sort of way because I, I don't know how popular German TV is in, in Russia. I mean, German TV is not that popular in Germany, so I can't imagine it's... <laughs> did I really just say that on air? Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, the funniest TV I have ever seen in my life was was uh, a, an episode of the original Star Trek um, dubbed into German, but Scotty still speaking with a Scottish accent. German with a Scottish accent is a funny language. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Um, how do we go on to? Um, so this whole cultural thing about about using using idioms and and, and uh, localized phrases, but it's it's those things that give character and warmth and humanity to our stories. Um, so I, yeah, it is if you're. I think we're similar types of speakers. We basically waffle a lot. Surprise, surprise. Um, we just throw stuff up. Um, you know, if a thought comes into our head, it comes out of our mouth, and then we work out if it was a good idea or not. Um, <laughs> Oftentimes, when it's too late, <laughs> and then, then 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 you spend twenty minutes retracting what you said without letting anyone know you're trying to retract what you just said because now you have thought about it, um, and you dig yourself twice as deep because you still make the same mistakes. Um, so yeah, so maybe. I don't know. Um, but as an English speaker watching it, it was a very entertaining and um, a very uh, yeah, informative talk. Now, uh, you let's just say you don't have what would be called, uh, you don't take much notice of what some conference organisers would be called. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, let's just say you use adult language quite a lot. Oh yes. <laughs> um, do you 
do you ever check with conference organizers whether that's acceptable do you go off what other things have been done or is it just actually you can't help it you're a potty mouth and it's just going to happen no no i actually did check i and and i and that's a, that's i think an important uh thing to to remember is is that two things that, that, that is that you have to know your audience and you have to be certain about it and i i did go to you know th- there was a, quite a bit of discussion beforehand um and 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 i think even in the audience itself you know th- there were there was a time when when I, I think you know uh I asked, "How do you say ass in, in Russian?" And somebody, somebody, you know, said it. And it was obviously a Russian speaker. And then I just said what he said. So I think that that and then I think that was kind of an ongoing gag, which also I discussed with the with the interpreters in, in advance. And I did it for two reasons. One is that I was just well, three reasons actually. One is that I'm just fascinated by the the challenge and how people do it because I think it is an immensely difficult thing to do. I, I I tried it once and I failed miserably. And 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 I. And I and I, I you know worked as a translator for uh, for nearly a year uh, my last year in college so I'm kind of pretty good at, at at dealing with it and I think doing it on the fly is incredibly difficult so I, I I wanted to meet them secondly I wanted to give them the idea that I wanted to use this ongoing gag and and I don't know whether you picked up on it I think the audience at least some people did where I'd kind of clutch the microphone and act as if I was speaking directly to the translators. In fact, that was one of the the gags about kind of three quarters of the way through when I said, hey, you know, it's it's really impossible. You know, nobody speaks all languages. And then as an aside, I spoke to the interpreters, except, except for the interpreters here. They're smart. They're strong. They're wonderful. They can do anything, right? And and I, I have to imagine and I hope that they kind of got a little chuckle out of that in the same way that, you know, when we talk trash about Sam, hi, Sam, uh, when he listens to it, he kind of says, oh, ha, uh-huh, they're, you know, talking to me. But I think the in terms of, of knowing your audience, it is a tricky thing to do. And I think, you know, on one hand, the safest thing to do is always to be kind of very language and, and culturally neutral, which is certainly, I think, what people who, who who are professional speakers and do this for a living probably end up doing. I think the reality is, yeah, you know me or people who, who the, the one person who listens knows that, that I kind of approach it somewhat like a, a stand-up comic. Um, and for 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 better or worse you know it it's it a challenging thing you know because on the one hand you may just say well it's i was successful because people laughed but the question is did it get the information across and i think i hope and believe it did and the the reason why i say i believe it did is because you know some of the things i was talking about were really arcane you know if you're talking about unicode characters that reverse the direction of text you know in the realm of of software engineering Localization is something that most people understand about, but this is a pretty gnarly, gritty detail. And uh, in terms of, of cultural reference, I actually, you know, went out of my way to to be able to say, well, you know, I remember watching the Moscow surface, Circus, and it's actually true, you know. And the Moscow Circus does, uh, you know, they they are pretty famous for for their animal training, and it was the best metaphor I could come up with to kind of communicate what this you know you know Unicode character is actually doing to your your, your string midway through while you're trying to reverse the direction of things to solve this very arcane problem. So I think that, you know, it, it is a tough balance to get right. I'm certain I, I don't get things right. I have no doubt that there are probably some people who, uh, who you know, left wondering, like, why did he, why I can't believe he used that language in, in a conference. And, you know, and that's, that's absolutely, you know, possible. And it's absolutely, you know, reasonable for somebody who, who might not, you know, appreciate that language to, to, to genuinely be, I, I don't know if they would be upset, but at least surprised. Um, 
But I think the other thing that I was thinking of is that it's it's very easy when you're talking about you know going to give a conference in a country where it's you know uh, I, I have several Russian colleagues I've had Russian you know roommates my mom speaks Russian so I kind of have some type of connection with with Russian culture and so I think I understand it at least better than somebody who's never right but all that said I think you know. Uh, having grown up in the Cold War, there was always this depiction of Russians as kind of the evil spies or the evil people trying to take over the world. And similarly in the old Soviet Union, kind of, I'm sure that there was lots of, of propaganda against Americans about kind of being warmongers. And on the occasions when you had the chance to actually meet Russians face to face, you would, you know, learn that, that, nope, they're just like you and me. And, and I think even more so now in the era of the internet. So to the extent that I felt that I wanted to to treat the audience as as equals and, and treat them as I would if I was giving a conference in Silicon Valley where absolutely the, the norms are different than if you're talking to the UN. You do tend to use, you know, lots of idioms and, and, and some, some, you know, blue language. I felt, why shouldn't I be able to, to, to do that? And so um, that was everything I was thinking about. But the, the last thing I wanted to say about, uh, you know, uh, Remembering the the human aspect of it is that I I I really do try to go out of my way to to thank and connect with people who make something happen. So whether it's the person that's running the lights or the camera or the you know attaching the microphone to you or you know doing the interpretation, it's it's very easy if you're giving a talk or or in that environment you think well I'm the star and so everybody should be bowing in front of me and let me show up. But you know it's 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 should not be surprising that a, a kindness, a little bit of kindness and respect goes a long, long way. Um, and people will remember how you, you treated them. They will remember how you made them feel. Oh, definitely. And um, sadly, I mean, the reason people remember how you make them feel is because so many people don't do it, um, that when it, when it is done, um, it can quite often be, you know, a, a rare thing. Uh, now, I don't mean... You know, you know, in, in the conferences we go to, you know, the vast majority of the speakers are very polite and very, uh, very um, humble, and um, yeah, we'll do that. But I mean, if you're if you're an interpreter that goes around lots of conferences, I'm talking more about in the industry of conferences. Then it's probably, you know, it, it sadly it doesn't happen. I um I used to do quite a lot of talking in Africa, some various African countries, not not tech talking, but um, some more lecturing in places, and. The practice there was the interpreter would be on the stage with you, um, and often the because you can then see the interpreter and hear the interpreter, and you'd have to often wait for them to speak. Firstly, that slowed you down, um, but you soon got to realise that how good your interpreter was would make a difference to how good your talk was or wasn't. Um, and when you got a really good interpreter, it made a massive difference. Um, and and I found the really good ones just mimicked you they would copy your hand gestures your head gestures your everything um now of course i'm somebody who paces around the stage so i would literally have interpreters following me around the stage <laughs> and i used to just find myself making more and more excessive gestures and movements and, and sounds to see if they copied and, and the really good ones they did and it became actually really good fun working with the interpreter and playing off the interpreter to make, to make stuff work. And you almost became like a, a, a double act with that. And that was really good. And then, then, you know, people really got into it. Yeah. And, and having fun with these people is, you know, hopefully okay. I mean, I was talking at a conference in Berlin a couple of years ago 
and they were doing this was UIConf, and they were doing live captioning uh, both in the room uh, and for subtitles for the um, live stream video, um, which firstly is a really really cool thing to do. Um, but the the people doing the captioning weren't in the room; they were they were watching the stream and captioning as it went. Yeah, but I just had to start having fun really you couldn't help it so you know i started off by saying words like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious just to see in the caption just to see what came up in the auditorium and i i used to start telling of um, family holidays to places in wales with really unpronounceable names and just saying the names and seeing what came up and now you know and the caption has really got involved and they started you know just messing around and saying he's just said something and that we can't even pronounce and then put lots of smileys type of thing um you know which was the right way of doing it as opposed to just trying to be serious and keep up with it so yeah these uh these people can make or break a talk make or break a conference and so those who do it well well done and thank you very much for for doing this stuff for us can i share one more anecdote you can share as many as well not as many as you like because we've got a time limit but you can share one more yes well, so I always used to make this throwaway line about how software development was an attractive alternative to pole dancing or cooking meth. Um, and I, I used that uh, in Germany, in Cologne, at, 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 uh, at Stuff MC's conference. Um, uh, and at first I thought, oh, nobody's going to understand that. And then, uh, and then somebody – and so I was talking to somebody in the audience and they're going – and I said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I don't know whether that came across. And he, and he looked at me strange. He's like, look, we've seen Breaking Bad. I've seen all episodes. It's a great show. I hadn't even seen Breaking Bad. And I think for, for the five people in the world uh, that haven't seen it, a, a show about uh, – it takes place in, in New Mexico. And it's a high school chemistry teacher who earns very, very little money even though he was a – you know, had a, had a promising career before him. And he develops cancer in order to pay his medical bills. He puts his chemistry experience to, to, to cooking very, very potent crystal meth and does very well and then devolves to a life of crime. So it's kind of a, a perfect view of modern America um, about kind of how we don't have health care and that people will go to extreme lengths to save themselves. And I, I hadn't seen the show at that time. So, you know, your point about American culture kind of being broadcast widely is, is, is no joke. And oftentimes you, you will find that uh, people are, are better educated in classic aspects of culture. They've read, you know, uh, more classic literature and, and, and know more about, you know, art and music and science in addition to kind of the, the, the kind of – uh, very popular culture, shall we say, uh, call it, that America broadcasts the world. So you're right that we have an advantage in that way. I have to say, sadly, I think the the Brits and the Americans are probably uh, some of the least educated people in the world. Um, and we just get away with it because we happen to speak the language that most people speak in the world. True, true. Well, one more thing that, that somebody asked me at a dinner party about my experience in, in Russia, and since I was there for so little time, one of the things that, that I caught on to is I just I recorded five ten minutes of, of of the radio in the cab while I was driving, you know, from the airport to to my hotel. And the one thing I remarked is that you know there was a wide range of of pop uh, pop music, popular music, and, and hip hop. And so there was electronic dance music. There was you know straight ahead kind of poppy ballads. There was some some fairly hardcore hip hop. And I found that. You know the the phrasing, the recording quality was absolutely you know the of, of equal value. It shouldn't be surprising, but it, but it was. Um, 
but what I found is that the 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 melody the, the, were much more sophisticated owing to the fact that that you know the average russian probably you know has had chess and piano lessons by the time they're 5 that they're exceptionally well educated and that that was the case even you know when, before the you know in the, in the soviet era where there was you know shortages of lots of different things and i think the the main difference that i noticed that i imagine is that when i you know was talking to my mom about about there, there was a, a kind of a some visiting Russian doctors who came to 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 visit Duke University where she was teaching in the medical center, and they were you know she said that they were unbelievably shocked at how much stuff was wasted that 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 they that you know Russian anesthesiologists and and, and doctors surgeons in general they they would have to make do with with reusing things as many times as possible because the the they, they just there there wasn't this hot and cold running supplies whereas in American hospitals like everything is single use unbelievable and there's absolutely no reason that it just gets thrown thrown away you could easily put it in the autoclave and so you know that 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 one of the doctors went back saying god for our clinic you know what we could do with the stuff that we have you know that 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 you just throw away and that not even that has never been used but has an expiration date so my mom organized that that you know all the stuff that was um perfectly usable equipment of all variety um, that that in theory – well, actually would have been thrown away in that era and just gave it to him and he walked back with bags and bags of stuff and he was super happy. And the point I get of it is that you know the difference between the Soviet era and the modern Russian era is that in modern Russian era, people have access to, to the same software and the same network that we have and so they're, they're that uh, what gets produced and, and how, how things work is – just really, there's there's no difference in terms of, of quality or, or 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 and certainly no difference of of ability. Well, in fact, it's often better, as you pointed well, out in yeah, your talk. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like like in India, they stick cell towers up anywhere, mm-hmm. and and therefore the uh, mobile network coverage in India is absolutely superb. Um, and and actually, it's the same in, in Africa. The the mobile uh, network coverage tends to be pretty darn good. Um, and you know, the, the reason for this is often. You know, the the infrastructure is newer, so they came to the game later. So they the they don't have such legacy hardware in their infrastructure as is uh, many of us do, and their regulation is lighter. So um, I think you know you you made the joke that they may be uh, all putting their cups on the roof to boil their cup of tea, but they've got good data while they're waiting for it to boil. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, uh, and I think the internet has been great for this because you know. Um, you know, before, you know, if you have knowledge now, um, I think realistically, you probably to be uh, global or at least you know reasonably wide, you probably have to be able to speak and write in English, uh, or at least speak in English. But you know, basically, anybody anywhere in the world can educate me now on things of software development. Um, and as most uh, people in education do learn English because it has become, you know, fortunately for us, the universal language, um, you know, it, the the ability to learn from others, uh, from places that would never have been able to have an input into the education uh, of, uh, of a, an industry or a trade, um, apart from, you know, very rare or the elites of it, it, is really great. And, and it, But equally, they bring into something of their teaching, something of their culture, um, be it in its formal style or its informal style, and you know that's um, we're a lot better off for that. So um, it's great. And equally, um, you know, you you went to Russia, it's um, and spoke. You know, here in Europe, 
you know, it's you know, the amount of Russian speakers at conferences over the last five or six years um, is it, it's grown massively. And that's great as well. Um, you know, that, that's really good. So this whole internationalization of education um, is, I think, only a good thing. All right. Well, enough about me talking about me. Why don't you talk about me? No, just seriously, Scotty. Now, now it's your turn to go on. Well, I, I've had a week, John, that it's one of those... I really have no idea where it's gone. Uh, it's been one of those things that I've had about 27 things on in in my life. And you blink and you think, okay, I've sh- shipped a couple of tickets for a client. I've fixed a few bugs. I've done a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and But I really couldn't tell you where the week had gone. Um I mentioned last week briefly that uh, we're potentially looking at um, taking over uh, a product uh, that is that has been around for a while. Um, that is progressing. It's progressing a little faster than I thought it might do. So it might have something to say quite soon, but can't say anything yet. But but that's interesting. So basically, um, as I've said before, we were already working on a product of our own, um, plus doing consulting. And now we're maybe looking at taking on a product. And so this week has been a lot of what does that mean? What's that, what's that going to make next year look like? How do we balance out um, our workload? How do we make the finances work on this? How do we, you know, what is it we're going to need to do? Because this is going to change what we're doing, assuming it comes off. Nothing signed or sealed or delivered yet. You know, quite a lot. So it's been an interesting week of um, scribbling lots of things on whiteboards and then saying, "Well, that's just guesswork," and we do know that and um, whatever else. But it's it's quite exciting stuff. So uh, obviously, if it comes to fruition, um, I'll start talking about it regularly, and you'll have to put up with the you know every week. You'll probably you know this will become the uh, the Scotty whiteboarding session of product <laughs> or the and Simon it's... Wolf. I've never shipped. Yeah, he did ship, fairness. And and he, he did ship, in fairness. So just that, you know, we'd given up on the, the updates by then. <laughs> okay. Sorry, did I just say that as well, Simon? I was, do you know what? He doesn't listen anyway. I had I had lunch with Simon last week, week before, and and he admitted that he played our latest episode in the car so that he could say that he knew what we were up to, but he hadn't listened for months. So there we are. So, so Simon, we, we know we could say what we like, because if I don't have lunch for you for another six months, this isn't likely to be uh, an episode you'll listen to. So, so Simon, yeah, whatever, something insulting towards you. Sam, go kick Simon's ass. Sam came to lunch as well, so Simon now knows Sam, so he can tell him that next time. So you did believe Sam exists, do you? I, I do now. Yes, he does. We will, uh, uh, I'll tell you what, next week, next week is the, uh, the holiday season show. Um, oh, and we'll have special guest star Sam, and, and, and we will we will have Sam make a guest appearance on the show. I will get him on the show, and he can say "ho ho ho." <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That's all I'm going to let him say. <laughs> okay. In fact, he can record it and send it in, and then just edit it in. We don't even need to get him here. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're trying to get this, if possible, we're trying to get this wound up before the end of the year, so we can move into 2019. Um, you know, working on this stuff and, uh, and, and doing it. Um, so we'll see. That might be a little bit ambitious. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it, it might change the uh, the landscape of what we're doing quite a lot. And um, you see, it's hard. When I'm just doing consulting or you're in very early product stage, there really isn't, you know, I, I can't really share much about what I do on a consulting basis um, for obvious confidentiality reasons. 
um and you know it's when you're in the early product stage and working stuff out it's you know you can't waffle about the same things every week but i think um he'll be good once we get back into you know getting to our own products with our own code and serving our own problems fixing our own bugs and we're free to talk about them then um hopefully the 2019 will be the year when scotty got interesting yeah, I think we might have to. And 2027, the year that Scotty finally gets interested. <laughs> there we are. There we are. All right. Well, so uh, now, now we have to make sure we do record next week's show. Yeah. Last show. I, I think next week's show will be the last show of 2018. Thankfully, yes. Uh, yes. And then we, we will take a break and, um, you know, and uh, hopefully it will only be a week or two and not the, the, not the year it was last time we took a break. <laughs> that was. Um, there, there we are. So, John, if people wish to give you feedback before next week's uh, shows, in order that we, um, we uh, I'll tell you what, let, let's take a look back at our 2018s. You know, let, let's just, you know, come, come a couple of points each um, that sum up the year from us from a sort of technical point of view, and then maybe one personal one or something. In, you know, because I'm sure that's the, what people really want to hear at the end of the year, because no one else will be doing that type of thing summing up for the end of the year, will they? Yeah, so that's what we can look forward to next week. So if people want to give suggestions about what 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 Scotty can do to be either interesting or less mean, how should they contact you? Uh, they should contact me uh, on Twitter as MacDevNet or micro.blog is Scotty or send an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co, which will also be seen by uh, John and now Sam. All right. And if you want to say nice things to me um, or refer mean things about Scotty for me to, to, to use against him, you can find me on the Twitters as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Please do get in touch. We love your feedback, even if it is only about Sam. He had more, more fan mail this week. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. You know, we're the stars of this show. He is just the editor. You remember that, Sam. You know, you are the... the the lowly pleb. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am just now seeing in my mind using what Audion, I think the software used, just selecting the waveform and just replacing it with clown noises. I, I challenge you, Sam, to replace the word I just put there, putting something flattering about yourself. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> then we'll see. Okay. I really don't know what we're doing here. But then again, nothing has changed in the last 10 years. Thank you very much for listening, folks. And until next time, you take care. So you remember that, Sam, you know, you are cool.